127. Um, just so if you're... Uh, Krista Reese turned it down. I didn't do it. Okay. Um, we're, we're, if you're new this morning, we're, we're uh, going through our membership commitments. And so our, our first commitment as members is to our unity. And that means things. And then our second commitment is to our mission. And that means things. And so if I say weird stuff today, you're like, man, that's pretty forward. It's going to talk to my family. If you're outside the family and it feels weird, it's okay. Okay. You ever walk in on family members arguing? Right, I know. I have no, I have no grid for that ever happening ever. Anyway, uh, Philippians one twenty seven. Just one thing, which is a lie, because he says lots of things. But one thing, as citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of the Messiah. Then, whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I will hear about you that y'all are standing firm in one spirit, blessed hope. Y'all are fighting the battle side by side. Contending together for the faith of the gospel. This is God's word. So in light of some uh, recent momentum, we are doubling down on our membership commitments and just reinforcing the basics. Because you get better by doing boring things over and over and over um, and over. Right? Shoot that. Yeah, there we go. Uh, So this is our last week of doing this. um, And our last commitment is to our testimony. And so... When members join the church, we commit to uh, support the church's mission, we commit to live holy lives, and we particip- uh, commit to participate in our church's um, governance and how we do things. Okay, so this is testimony, and by testimony, I just, I'm just i referring to our, our public witness, okay, how we are perceived, how members of CLC are perceived by Tonkawa, all right? Now, obviously, there's a sense in where we don't care what people think of us. Okay, like uh, next week, Lord willing, we're going to start in the book of Daniel, I think. I think. And so very much we'll look at. We don't care what people think about us, even if there's lions and fire or tasty meats or or whatever. Okay, but in another sense, we absolutely do care what people, what outsiders think of us. This idea of having a good reputation in the community um, drives a lot of Paul's instruction. Okay. So, for example, First uh, Timothy three seven, Paul thinks that elders must have a good reputation with who? Outsiders, right? Uh, he must have a good reputation with outsiders. The Berean literal. It behooves him also to have a good testimony from those outside. I chose that translation for Allie. So, that Allie would like behooves. The next First Timothy three there. Uh, Also, Young's literal. it's required of him to have a good testimony among those outside. So we're going to look at more examples later, but there's a a sense in where it matters what the world, what what Tonkwa thinks of y'all, okay? And what what Tonkwa thinks of us. So that's why our testimony matters. And so the first way we commit to our testimony uh, is through supporting uh, the mission financially. So... Our mission, worship, discipleship, evangelism, these things have multiplied. These things have have, uh, advanced from the early group of of Jesus followers in the first century to now with money. Okay? So if you're a visitor this morning, you came for the money sermon. I'm just kidding. Okay? Uh, uh, but really, Romans, Romans, Corinthians, you know, we read those things like, man, Paul, you got all this stuff going on. Those are just fundraising letters. They're fancy fundraising letters. <laughs> he gets to the end of those and says, by the way, <laughs> right? Sow your seed, right? Here's the envelope, the, the whole bit, right? No, the Romans and Corinthians, Paul is saying, hey guys, there's good soil 
out there. Like the gospel needs to go out to these different places, but seeds cost money. Send some. And, and so to support uh, the mission and to bring a good testimony in our community, we as members, we commit to when God provides us with work and then when God provides us with money from that work, we commit to give money away. And in doing so, we bring a good testimony. OK, so on an individual level, right, this is how I want us to think about money first is as individuals, when you help another church member who's in a difficult financial season, which if you've lived long enough has happened to you, uh, and, and their other friend says, hey, how'd you get out of that jam? And they say so-and-so from my church, right? Either blessed me with some work or just flat out was generous to me and got me out of the bind. That friend, that right outside friend, unbelieving, now knows that, hey, like at CLC, like they actually take care of each other. They don't just talk this stuff about how Jesus loves and cares. They actually do it, and they do it in ways that hurts with their wallets, right? Because nothing hurts more than your wallet, Right? Like, nothing hurts more than your wallet, but we commit to love each other, right? our, our, our first commitment, with our money, with, with uh, blessing each other, and this builds our testimony. Okay, so James chapter 2 says, if a, a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of y'all says to them, go in peace, be warm, be filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? You know what I mean? You've had this conversation. Like, oh, I'm, a, I'm really having a hard time. Bless you. You know? But James is like, no, that, that doesn't help anyone. So we help each other. We bless each other. We build our testimony in this way. And then on a corporate level, we, we, we commit in this way to give to the general fund. When you do that, you support the entire church, okay? No one will go hungry in our church, okay? No church member will, will ever go hungry because... You guys are, are committed to being generous. No one will ever be without shelter in our church because you guys are committed to, to being generous. Our, our church historically send, you know, you guys give 14 to 18 percent of that goes right out the door to Romania, Mexico. What, you know, where, there's birthday boy right there. Yeah. All right. You give it, it goes right out. Our benevolence fund, guys, we, where's Gloria? We wrote a lot of checks this week, okay? And we didn't have to sweat to do it because you guys give, okay? Like, as long as I've been uh, a part of, of this church, like, if people need help, we're able to just help because we give beforehand, right? We do very little, like, scrounging to get money at the last minute because you guys are consistent in giving. And so we have a storehouse to pull, right? You guys are um, Joseph, right? Fill up the grain so that when the famine comes, we don't have to scramble. We've just got it. And so this is what, when you give to the general fund, this is what we're able um, to do. You take care of, of our leaders, okay? Your giving allows me to give a lot of my attention to pray and study and think and pastor and lead and, and do all the stuff. That's, not everyone gets that. I, I get to do that. Like That's a, a massive blessing. 1 Corinthians 9, um, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should earn their living by the gospel. And preachers love to quote that one. The context of that is Paul saying, I'm not going to do that. Okay. <laughs> but the principle is the same. So think about this. If I'm doing my job well, then the saints are being equipped well, right? Ephesians 4. And the mission of worship and discipleship and evangelism is going to be executed well. And thus we have a good testimony in the community, right? Because the, the CLC people, they're not just Sunday Christians. They bring this gospel stuff into their lives during the week because they've been equipped to do so. Okay? 
That happens when, when you give further on a corporate level. Uh, your commitment to financial support allowed us to be in here. But this wasn't given to us, actually. Okay? <laughs> it costs lots of money. Um, and I have a complicated relationship with churches and buildings. Um, when, when we were building this thing, uh, me and Stoney were both working through all these different house church movement stuff. And then we're raising $2 million to build this. I'm like, oh God, did we do the wrong thing? <laughs> that being said, this this place is a visible testimony um, to Tonkawa that says, hey, we don't think the gospel's done in Tonkawa and we're invested in it. Okay, and we're, so we're going to put dollars behind it because we think there's a, a future for the gospel in Tonkawa. Okay, and then you saw some of it this morning when we bring this gaggle of children up here and pray for them and send them to teachers that are equipped because we're able to pay Jared to equip them. You know what I mean? Like it, it just takes money. Life takes money and we commit to it. So just application here with this commitment to support. Uh, let's double down on this. As members, we hold our money with open hands. We seek the Lord. We ask him how much and we give to individuals and we give to the corporate holding. Okay. And in this way, we commit to our testimony. Okay. Done with the money. I do one of those a year. All right. Second and more pressing, we commit as members of CLC to to live lives worthy of the gospel. Okay. Stoney prayed for me earlier. Thank you for Josh's obedience during the week. And I was like, okay, how did this week go? (laughs) Okay. Philippians one, as citizens of, of heaven, live your lives worthy of the gospel of the Messiah. So we don't want to just have right thoughts about God, right? Just like doctrinally eyes dotted, T's crossed. Look at our statement of faith. What? Who cares? Day of the Lord, not going to matter. Not, not going to matter. We actually want to live those things out. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things that I tell you to do? Jesus says, so this, this is the command, right? That we live lives that, that are, show, like, actually, don't just talk about the stuff. I believe it. So Matthew 5, Jesus says, let your light shine before others. And if you've read Matthew 5, 6, and 7, a lot of times Jesus is like, don't show anyone anything, right? But here he says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. Live your life so that the outside world, unbelieving world, can actually see what you're doing, how you're, how you're living, how you're, you're going about your life like you think the stuff is real. And there, there's an ideal response that happens or that you know, ideally would happen when our light shines in this way. They will give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Ideally, right? Obviously, it doesn't work all the time. Right? It's kind of like Proverbs. You read a Proverbs like, I know that doesn't happen all the time. Okay? So one way, uh, our way of living publicly, okay, our good testimony can point people to God. To, to cause them to glorify the, the Father who is in heaven. And, and so if that's true positively, that's also true negatively, right? Okay? Our, our, our way of living publicly, a poor testimony, can actually point people Away from God. And you might have done that. Or you've been on the other side of it. And saying like, oh man, this, those don't match. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't work. So, um, so First Peter 2. We read this last week. We'll read it again. Dear friends, I urge you as strangers and exiles, abstain from the sinful desires that wage war against your soul. All right? Dear you know, exiles, stop sinning. Okay? 
Your conduct, verse 12, your conduct among the Gentiles, how you guys live in public, being so honorable that they might see your good deeds. Like Peter heard Jesus do the Sermon on the Mount. He's writing it now. They may see your good deeds. And and what might happen if we have a good public testimony? They might see your good deeds and change their minds, right? Turn, repent, change. They might change their minds and glorify God when? day, right? On the day he comes to save. So Peter is tying together our conduct in public with people actually inheriting eternal life on the day of the Lord. Big deal, right? Like not a small thing to talk, to think about our conduct and our testimony in the world. Peter's like, no, this is life and death, salvation stuff, how you live, not just what you say, but actually how you live. Okay. Conduct leads to a good testimony with outsiders and by the grace of God might lead to salvation. For them when Jesus comes, okay? So for Peter, it's no small thing to, to profess one thing on Sunday morning and live another way Saturday night. He's got a big problem with that because his master had a big problem with that. Okay? It, it really, really matters. Another from First uh, Peter. Wives similarly must submit themselves to their husbands. Then, even if a believing woman's husband refuses to believe the message, okay? message of the gospel across before the day by his wife's conduct he may be won over without the need for words at all verse 2 when he sees what how reverently and with what holiness she conducts her herself right there's a little bit of this in larry's testimony last week right like christy what are you doing what's wrong with you you know like what what's going on here and it and it, it, it changed his life forever Praise God. Okay, and, and this, the, the reverse is true, right? He's writing to wives here. Husbands, same way, right? You've got an unbelieving wife. Live your life, your conduct in reverence and holiness before God. And they might be won over when they see your conduct. Titus 2. Older men are to be self-controlled, worthy of respect by insiders and outsiders, right? Sensible, sound in faith, love and endurance. In the same way, older women are to be reverent in what? Their behavior, their conduct, how they live. Not slanderers, not slaves to excessive drinking. Okay, okay. so the gossipy, uh, wino mommy thing is not a cute character trait. It, it's childish and sinful. Okay, this, this is what he, he says. Older women are to teach what is good. Verse 4, why? What's the purpose of them teaching what is good? So that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands and to love their children, to be self-controlled, pure, workers at home, kind, and submission to their husbands. So Paul has these instructions in Crete for these older women, but what are they for? Right? Like, you don't just, like teachers, right? you don't just teach because, hey, you need to know this, right? There's fruit from it, Okay. What is the fruit of older women living a certain way, right? Conduct, behavior, and teaching young women to live a certain way. He keeps going so that God's word will not be slandered. Blessed Hope translation so that the word of God will not be discredited. Well, discredited where? Outside. Okay? Outside in the community, right? So. Community says, like you guys say you love Jesus, you go to church on Sunday, but homegirl is a gossip factory, okay? Homegirl is, I'm just going to have one more glass, right? Openly disrespects her husband, and therefore her kids disrespect him too. I don't believe you. 
right? This is what Paul's saying in, in, in Titus 2 here. It's like, hey, your, your, your conduct is going to credit or discredit your message out in the community. Like, it really matters. So older men live this way. Older women li- live this way. Young men live this way. Young women uh, live this way. By older women's behavior, the word of God has, has been discredited or could be discredited in the community. So he keeps going. He's going to pick on everyone. Verse 6. In the same way. Encourage the young men to be self-controlled in everything. So, in what should we be self-controlled in? Yeah, all of it. Okay. What about, yes. Verse 7, self-controlled in everything. Make yourself an example of good works with integrity and dignity in your teaching. So, he's tying example, conduct, behavior to teaching. Okay? Like they have to go together or it's all garbage. None of it it works. Verse 8, your message, example of good works with integrity, your message is to be sound beyond reproach. And so for the message to be above reproach means just what we've been talking about. We can say, 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 tell, 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 tell. But then if you're, you know, don't respect your husband, don't respect your wife, act this way in public, the world's like, eh. I can get frauds everywhere else, you know. I don't. Yours is no no different than mine. So if Titus here, who Paul's writing to, if he doesn't have self control, if he doesn't conduct himself in public with integrity, with dignity, he can have right doctrine, he can say right things, but the outside world, who cares? We don't care. We don't care. So Paul keeps going. Your message is to be sound beyond reproach so that any opponent will be ashamed. Any, anyone who's like, ah, I'm, not, I'm not into it, will be ashamed because he doesn't have anything bad to say about us. So Titus's conduct tied with Titus's message protects him right, to a point in the community. Like they can't say anything bad about him because he's actually living out the things that he's Preaching and teaching. They might not agree with what he's saying, but they can't fault him for not having integrity and like sticking to his guns and actually living this stuff out. You guys have all experienced this in all kinds of different relationships. And you've seen this like, I don't agree with that that person's saying, but I can't fault them. Like they're they're living out what they're professing to believe. First Thessalonians four. Just this is a lot of your New Testament. So I have a lot of. Okay. First Thessalonians four brothers in light of all these things. So for, in light of chapter one, the return of Jesus and flaming fire with angels to inflict vengeance on those who oppress you. Okay. In light of that kind of a big deal. We beg you in light of that. We beg you and appeal to you by the authority of our Lord Jesus, just as you received instruction from us about systematic theology, Greek verbs, footnotes you received instruction from us about how you must live your lives so as to please god as in fact you are doing right that you may do so more and more like good job right this is first thessalonians is like a thumbs up letter right galatians and philippians are a letter this is a good job Keep it up. Verse 3. Indeed, this is the will of God that you become holy by keeping away from sexual morality, by each of you respecting his wife, by acquiring things in a holy and honorable way, not in a greedy and covetous matter like those Gentiles who don't know God. You dogs. Okay? So that no one wrongs or swindles his brother in the matter. So he says the outside world lives this way. They, they don't respect their wives, they're covetous, they get money in you know, ways you shouldn't do it. You do not. 
For the Lord is an avenger and will punish people for all such sins. Just as we told you previously and solemnly warned you. Again, chapter 1, angels, fire, all the bit. Verse 7, it was not a life of impurity to which God summoned us, you see, but a life of holiness. For that very reason, then, because the Lord is an avenger who's going to punish such sins and has called you to live a certain way. For that very reason, if someone rejects this instruction about how to live, it isn't a mere man who he's rejecting, but God who gives his Holy Spirit to you, okay? So y'all better listen to what I'm saying, right? I mean, seriously, but I am not um, Paul, but this is what he said. Verse 9, now as for brotherly love, you don't really need anyone to write to you, since you yourselves are indeed taught by God, cool phrase, so that you may love one another. And since you do, in fact, conduct yourselves, behavior, conduct yourselves in this way, Toward all the brothers throughout Macedonia. Okay, like Paul heard the Jesus tradition that they will know you are my disciples by how you love each other. Okay, even so, we exhort you, brothers, to do so more and more and, and to do all you can not to disturb the peace, to tend to your own affairs, to work with your own hands, just as we instructed you, so that your conduct. Okay, and what's he, what's he said here? You're, you're, you're keeping from sexual morality. You're respecting your wife. You're acquiring money in a holy and honorable way. You're loving each other. You're not being a rabble rouser, right? You guys don't disturb the peace. You're working with your own hands. With your conduct, he says, you may win the respect of who? Outsiders. Yeah, you might win their respect and so that you aren't just eating other people's food. So just the, the point is... I'm, said it a million times, how we live matters to our public testimony, okay? Like, it, it's really important to the apostles, and it needs to be really important to us. So just a few applications. We, I'm sure you've got a million in your head, just a few. We don't, as, as disciples of Jesus, as members of Christian Life Church, we don't get drunk, okay? Drunkenness, totally off the table for any disciple, but for members of Christian Life Church, we don't get drunk, and we don't host parties where other people get drunk. Okay, as disciples of Jesus, that's just off the table for us. Okay, and I'm not a teetotaler. Sierra's counting down the days till this baby's out, right? She has like a journal and she writes, "Hmm, it's a tent of oak." And what do you think? And I'm like, that tastes like garbage. Okay. For me, the fruitier and girlier sounding it is, the more I'll like it. Okay. So, but but we don't drunkenness off the table. Okay, encouraging drunkenness off the table for us. We do not. uh -uh. No, no, no. I'm like so low level. Like that's not a hard. That's a low bar. Okay, like when Paul's giving instructions for like who should be elders. Like, well, they can't be a drunk. And you're like, oh man, you know. It's a pretty okay. and, and if you're, man, if you're just starting to follow Jesus and alcohol has been an issue in the past, like we want to help you and pray for you. I want to condemn you or make fun of you or everything. But just like drunkenness off the table for disciples, drunkenness off the table for members. So we watch that. We watch how we speak. Okay. And, and we'll include the thumbs in this as well. Right. So I, I, uh, I'm just telling the story. I'm not going to use names or anything. I'm just telling the story because it really impacted me when I was, um, 23, early, early in ministry here, um, I attended a community event. There's a public figure there. And, it, you know, at events, like, guys huddle up and girls huddle up. and So I'm with the guys. And 
um, I get into the group, and this public figure, I hear dirty joke after dirty joke after dirty joke after dirty joke, effort after effort, effort like just like impressive, okay? Um, I, and I didn't know the guy was a Christian, so I didn't care. You know what I mean? Like I'm not offended when unbelievers act like unbelievers. Like you just, I'm just, I don't care. Not a big, not a big deal. Um, but then at the community Thanksgiving church service that weekend, the same person gives the devotion. Thing. And I'm on the front row like, oh, God, what is happening? Like, what planet are we living on that this is OK here? And then we can just like, what? What's going on? And that really uh, that really that really stuck with me. First uh, Timothy four sixteen. Be conscientious about how you live and what you teach. Persevere in this. And by doing so, you will save both yourself that's good. And those who listen to you, also good. Uh, in the common English version, be careful about the way you live and about what you teach. Keep on doing this and you will save not only yourself, that's good, but also those who hear you. Okay, This is just what the apostles say over and over and over and over and over and over. We want our, we want our message to match our lifestyle, so let's double down on this, Okay, on holy living in public. And so, you know... If you haven't been, which that's when Stoney's like, when you prayed earlier, I was like, man, how was this week? If you haven't been, okay, if your conduct in public has been absolutely out of step with the gospel, right? That's what Paul says to Peter when he's not living, out of step with the gospel. If that's been you, you have a great opportunity this morning to repent. Like, like the gospel is awesome because you can today just turn. You can just repent. I don't care what the last 50 years have been like, 60 years have been like, four hours have been like, okay? You can repent. Now, we, we, we can turn. So, if your mouth has been spewing sewage around unbelievers, you know what you can do? You can say, hey, I, I, I apologize, man. I'm, I'm a disciple of Jesus. That's not how he calls us to talk, and so I'm making it a goal not to talk like that. I'm really sorry I said those things. And bam, your testimony, which was nothing, is now back on track, right? They, and, and again, they don't care that you're cussing that who, or whatever, whatever. They don't care. But now they're kind of weirded out that you felt like you needed to come back and say, hey, actually, that's not who I am. I don't care. You know what I mean? Okay, if, if you were a jerk or just did a bad job or at, at work, business deal, whatever, boss, customer, client, whatever, you can say, I apologize for the way I treated you earlier. Okay, I'm a disciple of Jesus, and though you did make an error, right, you still have to do your job well. So I'm not saying like, hey, it's fine, you screwed that up. That's not what we're saying. Though you did make an error, I should have treated you with more respect. Okay, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a disciple of Jesus. It, the, my authority for my life, Genesis 1, says you're made in the image of God, and I should treat you like that. And I did, and I'm sorry, and I apologize. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to follow Jesus. In this way, if you uh, have friends that you used to get drunk with, same thing. I apologize for my behavior. I'm a disciple of Jesus. We don't do that. Okay? So I I apologize. If you were harsh with your wife or your children in public, you can say, I apologize for how I dealt with my family earlier. Right? I'm a disciple of Jesus. That's not what we're about. And that person who, again, doesn't care. No one cares. (laughs) But now they're kind of weirded out by you. Because you took the time and the effort to go and like say, hey, that's actually not, not what I'm about. Okay. 
All you parents with kids in sports, maybe there are some referees and officials you need to go. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. I didn't mean all the. I mean, I did mean them. It was an awful call, but it's not who I am, man. I need to treat you with respect and honor you as a human being. And uh, I, because I'm a disciple of Jesus, I'm, I'm turning. Okay. Yeah, yeah, they do. They do. So my point is there, I, I don't want to just hammer you this morning. Like, oh, you got to live right in public. I'm saying like, even if you have, if your public sin, can, that's an opportunity to repent and now like say, hey, like, yeah, I absolutely screwed up there. I was absolutely out of step with the gospel. I know you don't care about the gospel. I was out of step with it and, and I apologize. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to follow Jesus. I'm trying to inherit eternal life by any means possible. Okay. This is what we got to be about. And the quicker you can do that before, you know. Ideally, we wouldn't do it at all, but I know you people, all right? <laughs> I know me. So whether you're a, a believer who's slipping and not walking worthy of the gospel, or you're an unbeliever who's never attempted to walk the worthy of the gospel at all, the call is the same this morning. Repent. Put your trust in the cross for the forgiveness of your sins. Put your trust for eternal life in the resurrection of Jesus. And if you do that, you'll receive the Spirit, and the Spirit will empower you then to walk worthily and actually live this thing out, okay? But it's just a whole lot of repenting over and over and over and over. And so if you have questions today about the cross or the resurrection or what it means to follow Jesus, and you're sitting next to a member of our church, talk to them. They can tell you about these things, or you can talk to me. But don't leave here today not trusting in Jesus. Don't leave her today with, with unanswered questions about Jesus. We want to help you with those things, okay? Amen. Last one. Boring one, but it matters. Uh, the last uh, one, the, right, we've got this emphasis on, like, we're going to support the mission. We're going to live lives worthy of the gospel for our testimony. Uh, leads right into our last commitment of prayerful participation in the church's government. Uh, <laughs> So obviously, I'm not going to include church budget. Right? Our, our, we're congregational. We vote on the budget. Uh, but I want to focus on two of our policy items in particular to close here. First, our selection of leaders and our practice of church discipline. Okay. So first, we commit to our testimony um, through the selection of our leaders. So our church is led by elders elected by um, our congregation. So if you wondered how those guys get up there, well, you voted for them. Okay. All right. <laughs> Uh, and so just to be transparent with you, I think our process for doing this is not great, but there are worse ones and it is what it is now. But a church as a church member, you have to commit to knowing the biblical qualifications of elders so that you can recognize them, nominate them, elect them and then hold them accountable to their duties. OK, like this is your job as members and that takes prayerful participation. OK, so one reason I don't like our Setup is you guys get some names, and then in two weeks we vote on them. I'm like, I don't know about that. Okay, it's better than the our our political one where they just campaign endlessly and it never stops. You know, it's better than that. Um, but so when this doesn't happen, right? When we don't prayerfully consider um, who our leaders are and, and congregations treat that responsibility flippantly and like, oh, that name looks good. Da, 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 da. At best. Unqualified leaders are chosen, and at worst, wolves are chosen. Okay? This, this is what happens, and then once fruitful churches become rotten. Okay? I, I, are you gray hairs? I thank you for this all the time that you got out of, of the DOC in the 90s. That didn't happen overnight. 
Okay, they consistently shirk their responsibilities in holding their leaders to biblical qualifications. And over time, that ship just sank. Because of the churches, okay? Because the churches didn't do their jobs. And and again, you guys got out and we thank you, okay? So we have to take that seriously. And I have to rush through these just because you don't don't care. But (laughs) the second one is is, um, in church discipline. This is part of our polity. So 1 Corinthians 5, um, we've got kids, close your ears. There's a a guy who is... uh, Doing things he ought not to do with his stepmom. And the church is just cool with it. They're just not doing anything. So Paul writes to them. And he says, shouldn't you be filled with grief? And remove from your congregation the one who did this. When you are assembled in the name of our Lord Jesus, hand that one over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. So that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Don't you know that a little leaven leavens the whole batch of dough? Clean out the old leaven so that you may be a new unleavened batch as indeed you are. So when people commit themselves to Jesus and then they commit themselves to the church and then they willfully stray away from these things, okay? Not not struggle and stumble. Those are different planets, okay? If you are a human being, you're going to struggle and stumble with sin all the time. But because you're a believer, you're going to quickly repent and turn back, get on the path, inherit eternal life. It's awesome. It's great. It's wonderful. Very big difference between that and willful, I'm just going to go off the path. I'm not going to follow Jesus anymore. I'm going to live however I want. That is a totally different planet. And so when that happens, when they, when they shirk their commitment to live lives worthy of the gospel for their sake and for the sake of God's name in the community, Paul says, Jesus says, Moses says, we have to do our job as church members and attempt to bring them back to the fold, right? You see a sheep wandering off. Jesus says, go get it, right? This is what we're supposed to do. But if they refuse... Our attempts, and they're going to go their own way. They're removed from the community, right? And that's a big, long. I'm just doing like a five-minute thing here, whatever. But that's our job as church members, for the sake of our testimony. We have to. We have to be people who are quick to forgive, quick to bring back in, quick to bring, you know, bring back into the fold, but also firm on, hey, like this, these, th- you know, Ephesians four, these things should not be even named among you guys. Okay. Lord willing, we never have to do this. Lord willing, it's always just that first step. Stoney sees me and said, hey, Josh, the way you're living, man, we're not doing that. And I go, you're right. <laughs> okay. Now repent, get back on the path. And that's it. We want that happening all the time. We want that to just be normal church culture. Okay. But should it ever have to get to that second step, third step? And we have to commit to do that as well for the sake of our testimony. Okay. Robert, would you come help us? And I want to pray for you guys. Um, all right, I hope that I hope the last three weeks were helpful. I uh, I um, try to plan probably too much, so I have I have where I think we should go teaching wise planned out pretty far ahead. But three weeks ago, I had no idea, man. What should we What should we do? And and we landed here. So I hope that I. I heard the Lord there, and I hope this was helpful, and I hope we can re-up, right? Recommit, go back to to the basics of committing to our unity, right? Committing to the gospel, committing to love each other, okay? Committing to our mission, worship, discipleship, evangelism. I had two evangelism failures this week. Yeah. Yeah. 
recommit to that. And then we, man, let's, let's double down. Let's re-up. Let's recommit to living holy lives out there. Obviously, in here, right? Privately, we want to do that. But man, let's, let's double down out there. And they might change their minds and glorify God on the day he comes to visit. So let me pray for you, Father. Um, thank you for your word uh, that instructs us and trains us and, and um, emphasizes the things that really matter to your heart. Um, God, really matter for our own sakes, our own souls, our own uh, inheriting eternal life, getting raised from the dead to live forever. Um, and emphasizes how we ought to live, God, for the sake of the world. So I, um, God, I ask if there's things in our, our private life and things in our public life that are not, that are, are below what you've called us to. Um, God, that we would repent of those things quickly. Thank you that you send the Spirit to lift us up above uh, above that bar. And we double down on these things. Get on the path. Stay on the path. Encourage each other um, on the path. And, and so I ask you for our corporate witness um, in Tonkawa. That it would be clear to our community that we not only preach... And, and believe in the cross for the forgiveness of sins and in the return of Jesus for the restoration of all things. But we actually live in light of it. That our, our testimony matches our profession and we know that we need help. We need lots of help for this. So thank you for sending us another helper um, to do it. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Uh, so we're going to have our elders at the front now. You can come and pray with an elder uh, in response to the message. Okay, if there's stuff in here you want to pray about or anything else we want to pray for you. If you're not praying with an elder, pray in your seat. If the Lord's leading you, go pray for someone else. Go pray for someone else. Um, but this time's for prayer, so let's pray.